How many of you know self-defense? Anybody here know self-defense? Anybody here know Krav Maga? No. What type of Jewish community is this? That's Israeli self-defense. All right, uh, there's a guy. This is a very important self-defense video that I found on the Internet. I want you to pay close attention to this. Now, this week, we, of course, celebrate Thanksgiving Day, which uh, commemorates the discovery by Benjamin Franklin of the national bird, the turkey. He, of course, then tied that bird to a kite. The kite was struck by lightning. The electricity cooked the bird. The pleasing smell caused him to eat it. And we established Thanksgiving Day. Uh, let's say Todd here is watching me eat my turkey leg. And I start to choke. I do the international sign for choking. He moves into position for the Heimlich maneuver, okay? Pulls until I oh, clear my airway. Now the problem with the Heimlich maneuver is that because they can't see my expression, they tend to keep going, okay? And they keep going and this can eventually lead to a broken rib. It can uh, cause a lot of damage. So that's why we have the Heimlicher defense for Heimlichers that won't stop Heimlicking. So first thing I'm gonna do, push the hand, okay? Then I'm gonna grab the arm. I'm going to break the arm. I'm gonna elbow the face. I'm gonna scoop kick the groin. Then I'm gonna reach down Pull the leg up. Ah! Now, from this position, I can step on the thigh. And what I'm going to do is finish by splitting the pelvis in half with a move we like to call the wishbone. Oh! And, of course, from that position, we can easily restomp the groin. <laughs> That's your lesson. Have a happy Thanksgiving. I'm Master Ken. That was another Secret Street Fighting tip. Us. really dry. <laughs> okay, that's enough of that. Okay. Well, I thought that was very creative, okay? Uh, Self-defense. You, know, um, you know, I think uh, one, I mean, listen, there's so much we can say about self-defense, but self-defense is important. Being able to defend oneself. I mean, women often will carry mace in their purses, or I've seen women walk around with their keys in their hands in such a way that they're their, uh, their keys serve almost like little daggers in their fingers, between their fingers. So self-defense, we think about it, all right? When I was in, uh, in Israel, uh, I was at a place called Herodium with uh, his fellow Jason Silverman, and we're there, and Herodium is surrounded by Arabs, <laughs> okay? It's this little, this old, old fortress of, uh, of King uh, Herod, surrounded by Arabs today, and it's an Israeli national park. So when we were in the National Park, we're wandering around with all these other tourists, we felt fine. Then we went down to the lower part, and we're all by ourselves. There's nobody around us but some Arabs. And I'm talking to, to Jason. I said, you know, you're Israeli. I mean, you feel safe? He says, I feel okay, but I don't think we should stay here very long, okay? Because there was no defense. We were def without defense in, in the midst of literally thousands of, of Arabs. We always think self-defense. You walk down the street at night by yourself in the dark. How many of you, be honest, are a little afraid? Anybody? Yeah. Self-defense is important. We are, in essence, concerned about ourselves. And that's rightful to do. All right? We need to think about spiritual self-defense. I mean, we've been doing this whole series, and today is the last week of it, dealing with this unseen reality. Again, the big idea 
We live in a reality that is comprised of both physical and spiritual beings, those who submit to God and his authority, and those who have rebelled against him. And as we've talked about for weeks, there is this reality of, of uh, both the angelic, and we want to put it that way, and the demonic, both spiritual beings who are, who are on God's side and those who are opposed to him. And for the last couple of weeks, we've been in the book of Ephesians. Some of you may say, boy, this has been a long time in Ephesians chapter 6. Yeah, I know, I've been slow, all right? But the main point I've been trying to get across is what's on the screen. That as followers of the Messiah, Yeshua, we are engaged in spiritual warfare, either as active soldiers or passive prisoners. And to be strengthened by God's Spirit must be our objective. That's our self-defense. It's our self-defense. To recognize we're in the spiritual warfare, we are in it. You can't get a pass from it. You know, we can't be passive about it. We can't be neutral about it. Because we are aligned with God through our faith in Messiah Yeshua, we are in the fray, regardless. And you know, it's amazing when you think about it, those who are not followers of the Messiah, they are in essence neutral. Isn't that interesting? They're neutral. They're just collateral damage in essence for what's going on in the supernatural because Satan just assumes that there's his already. And he'll use them or do whatever despite them. But because you and I believe in Messiah, and I hate to tell you this too, because we're Jewish, we are suddenly automatically targets. Targets to disrupt, targets to destroy. And what's wonderful is that God's on our side though. Nothing will ever separate us from his love and nothing will ever come that we can't handle. That's what's encouraging about the biblical text. We are on God's side. But you must never forget you cannot be neutral. You can't be passive. Because if we do basically allow ourselves to, to become passive in terms of this whole understanding, folks, we will become, in essence, in prison. Satan will attack us, and he will bring things in, against us. And if we slip into sin, the sin can, in essence, really do damage to us and make us useless, castaways, as Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 9. Not useful for God's purposes. Last week, we dealt with these two points. Actually, I think for the last two weeks, we dealt with these two points. Point one, Ephesians 6, 10. We're not gonna, I'm not going to read it all. I'm just going to review it here. But ah, what the heck. Turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. <clears throat> Beginning in verse 10. I'm just going to read it just for your edification. Go ahead and turn. Ephesians chapter 6, page 1,122. Page 1,122, Ephesians 6, verse 10. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you may are able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So the first thing we talked about is that we are to strengthen our faith in the Lord God. We must do whatever we can to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. And we do that in all kinds of ways. Reading our scriptures, prayer, being in community, living out our faith, taking steps of faith. Giving your time, your talent, and your treasure, I'm telling you folks, those three elements, that's how you strengthen your relationship with God because it takes time to read the Bible. It takes, takes a lot of faith to give significant money to the Lord and to his work. It takes a step of faith to get involved in the lives of people using your abilities. You know, Don's talking about finding a few people who are willing to drive people. Some of you might really like to drive, but that's a talent because some of you hate to drive. But it takes time 
to use a talent for the work of the Lord. See? That's a step of faith. Will I have enough time to do what I need to do? That's how you strengthen your faith in the Lord is by actually exercising your faith in Him. And then putting on God's supernatural support, that's what we're going to talk about tonight, or today, so we'll talk about that in a moment. But the beware passivity part is so important. Satan is literally trying to scheme. All right, and we talked about this last week. Our, our enemy, he is no slouch. You know, someone pointed this out, and actually C.S. Lewis in his book, uh, The Screwtape Letters. You, you realize that our opposing forces, they don't die. They don't reproduce, but they don't die. Some of this we have no real genuine understanding of, except for the fact that they, as spiritual beings, were created by God and, and exist. And as uh, C.S. Lewis mentions it, they got patience, and they've been around a long time, and they can, they can come against us in a sense that we may not really appreciate. Okay, So to be alert, to be aware, to consider the fact that our enemy is alive and well, and they're organized. As it says in verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the worldly forces of this darkness, and against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. They're organized and they're wily. Be aware of that. Stay alert and be prepared to have to fight against an organized and a very viable opposition. Now, what we're going to be talking about today is the rest of this portion, and we're going to do it in about 10 minutes, God willing. Okay? So, follow along with me, verse 13. Verse 13. It says, Therefore, take up the full armor of God, so that you may be able to resist when the times are evil, and after you have done everything, to stand firm. All right, so a couple of things I want to point out. This goes back to, to the uh, one statement about armor. First thing you need to know, take all of it. It's a single system. Take all of it. And as we're going to see, this is the, the terms used to describe the armor, these are general terms. I, think I was reading a, different things. I mean, it, I think what we need to understand is don't think Roman armor, don't necessarily think specific armor, think general terms. Partly because I, I just don't, I, I think that it's better for us to think in terms of a fighting human. When, uh, David, you were fighting, you went out to do battle, you always went out without a gun, right? You always had a gun. Did you also have a helmet? You had a flak jacket. These were your components. If they said, uh, okay, guys, we've got to roll out, and you put on your equipment, we've got to go, you always knew that that meant certain things had to come along, right? That's the point. Put on the full armor of God. If you realize you're, gonna, you're in, a, in a spiritual battle, you want to be fully armored. Fully armored. That's the point. Take on all of it. You may say, well, give me an example of what you're talking about. You know how many people I talk to who say they pray? People pray all the time. You know how many people read their, bodies, their Bibles really genuinely, seriously studying the Word of God? Not that many. <laughs> I think it's wonderful if you pray. But if you're struggling with really studying the scriptures, whether devotionally or in terms of just gaining understanding, because there's a difference, you're not being fully armored. You need both. All right? We need to be reading the word of God in prayer. We also need to be in community, and not just once a week. We need to be in community during the week. We need to be encouraging one another during the week. You can do this in your homes, 
You can do this with your kids. You can do this with your coworkers. You can do it in your community. But, but putting on the armor is, is a holistic understanding. It's holistic. It's just a, a unit, a system. All right? And then uh, be prepared to fight. Be prepared to fight. You know, in the Civil War, they did these analysis. I mean, I just, it's kind of sad. And it's gruesome in a sense. In the Civil War, people were killed mostly by accident. <laughs> in the Civil War, people were killed mostly by accident. Right? People went and they lined up and they would shoot. And they, and, and they determined in research that people tended, to, they couldn't, the idea of killing somebody else bothered them. They would aim in the direction, but they had a, a hard time hitting people. And it's true. The amount of, of people killed, a lot of people just died of wounds or whatever, but there wasn't this intentionality to kill. You get to the First World War. You know, in the First World War, it was a whole different type of war. The intentionality to kill, the ability to kill in mass numbers. We began to see a shift in war. That's why so many people died with such a terrible war. Well, you get to the Second World War, and all along the way, what's done is there is a determination to train soldiers how to intentionally kill. You know, the U.S. military today, it'll be interesting to hear David talk about this, U.S. military today relies very much on small units, Green Berets, SEALs, things like this. And they are trained to intentionally kill in a way that is rather unique. It's all in the last 40, 50 years. Now, I tell you all that because your enemy wants to intentionally knock you out. The adversary wants to take you out. He's very focused on looking for ways to target you specifically. You need to defend yourself very, very carefully. You need to be prepared to fight. All right? Not physically, but spiritually. You need to, in your mind, be thinking how you can counter the actions of the enemy. You know somebody struggling in their faith? You know somebody that is considering truth in Yeshua? Are you praying against the enemy specifically on behalf of that individual? We'll talk about more of that in a minute. But are you prepared to fight? That's a big part of what he is saying here. We're struggling against all these people, therefore take up. You do not put on your armor unless you're engaged in warfare. We're engaged in warfare. Every single day, all the time, 24-7, 365. As followers of the Messiah Yeshua, you need to be armored. Be prepared to fight. And then it says, be prepared to stand. And the way he says this in our TLV, I think, is very good. And after you have done everything, to stand firm. What's that? You realize that you and I one day are going to die. And in battle, uh, I mean, maybe, again, you know, uh, we all see movies, but, but you, maybe in your mind you can picture a battle scene. I think of uh, Saving Private Ryan, where they fight like crazy and they take their stand and they fight to the end. And many of them die. Most of them die. They fight to the end. Are you prepared to fight to the end? Are you prepared to take a stand and fight to the end? Now, in some ways, <clears throat> because we're not in a situation like in China and other places where, you know, people are being persecuted, as we saw in a video last week, or maybe you've read in the papers recently even, where someone will come in and say, we're going to shut down this place. You profess faith in Jesus. Are you followers of the God of the Bible? Where we... We have to take a stand. Are we going to deny our faith? Are we going to deny our Messiah? 
You know, in Jewish tradition, Jewish law, really, there are only three things by which uh, you can uh, uh, recant. But, but just a second, I'm going to back down. The bottom line is, is that you're supposed to die for what you believe, okay? You're supposed to die. Instead of committing uh, sexual, sexual immorality or bowing down to idols, and I think it was one other thing, you should die rather than give in to these things. For us, it's very simple. I mean, if someone were to come in and challenge you in terms of your faith, deny Jesus, deny Yeshua the Messiah, deny the God of Israel, you should be willing to die for that faith. But because that's probably not going to happen to any of us anytime soon here in America, it's more like this. Fight the fight and stand firm. Stand firm. Don't give up. If you find yourself in a situation where you're just feeling like you are being attacked constantly, Stand firm. Don't give up. Be prepared to stand to the bitter end. When we get to the armor, I just want to point this out. I firmly believe, and I need to do more study on this, I firmly believe that what this is is a listing of uh, along the lines of what we see in Galatians 6 and Ephesians 3 in regards to putting on the new life, putting on the new self and, and the fruit of the Spirit. All right? And it's a reiteration in a, in, a, in a military metaphor. But what's fascinating is when you look on it, it's, the, the terms he uses are not directly military terms. They're more generic, more general. I mean, there were very specific words used uh, for soldiers' equipment, just like in our day and age. And those terms are not really used. All right? They're more general. All right? But it's the principles that I want us to think about. When he talks about the belt of truth. In fact, I'm going to go over here because I thought this is a really good picture. This is just a standard picture of what is Roman gear. You need to understand the Roman army uh, changed over times. Equipment changed over times, depending on what's going on. But the general understanding is, is that there is a belt-type product of some kind. This guy here looks like a dress, right? Well, that's one understanding of it. It protected the, the groin area of the soldier, very important. But it went around uh, the waist of the individual. Built yourself with truth, all right? The breastplate of, plate of righteousness. What's interesting is that typically the Roman soldiers in the first century didn't have a solid, uh, a solid uh, uh, breastplate covered the front and the back. Usually they used different kinds of metal that was joined together. They also went to mail later on. So to realize that chain mail has been around a long time, in warfare. But the idea is to cover up the midsection of the body, all right? Protect the heart. The boots are the piece of the gospel. Here it talks about wrapping on the feet. Now, when you're in the military, the feet really matter. Why? Because it affects the whole body. If they're cold, if they're wet, you know? A lot of soldiers who fought in the, uh, in, in the, in the Asian theater of the Second World War you know, suffered tremendously because they had adequate footwear to deal with the conditions. You know, foot rot, you know. So being shod. And here, as it says in the text, I <clears throat> actually I should read this. Uh, verse 15, strap up your, let's see, uh, stand firm then, buckle the belt of truth around your waist, put on the breastplate of, plate of righteousness, strap up your feet in readiness with the good news of Shalom, about, and I'll stop there. Strap up your feet in readiness with the good news of Shalom. Well, you know, it's interesting. It's reminiscent of what it talks about in, in the book of Isaiah about our feet. You know, blessed are happy, uh, the feet of those who bring the, the gospel, the Besorah, the good news. You know, so our feet ready to go. 
to share our faith. You know, the readiness of being able to take this truth out to the people that don't know it or the people that have heard about it before but have not yet believed. It says in verse 16, Above all, take up the shield of faith with which you are able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. You know, one of the uh, things that Roman soldiers always took with them, this is one thing they did have, is, is darts, you know. And, you know, flaming arrows are very, very common. But the point is the shield, the shield is defensive, made of leather and wood, interestingly enough, light enough to carry around. But the point of it is to, is to be able to block and protect. Block and protect. Satan wants to do things. He wants to throw things at you. Are you prepared to block those things? And as it says here, block them with the shield of faith. How deep is your faith? See, the point is is that most of us struggle with with issues of faith. Is God really going to be with me? Is he really going to help me? You know, our circumstance is going to work out. You know, strengthen your faith. How do you strengthen your faith? You practice it. You live in your faith. You take steps of faith to strengthen it, move it forward. Something that we all need to do, myself included, wherever you're at in your life. The last part of the, uh, the text that says, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The helmet of salvation. You know, when I used to ride a motorcycle years ago, we thought of the helmet as a thing that we wore to keep our brains in when we fell and got hurt. Okay? Anybody ride a motorcycle before? You're going 50 miles an hour with a helmet on your head, you know. You fall off. There's not, <laughs> there's not much you can do but pray, you know, that everything holds together. But the helmet of salvation provides protection. And I think uh, one thing we can, we can understand here is the fact that as believers in Messiah Yeshua, we are secure in our relationship with God. Nothing will ever separate us from him. It's a reminder to us to, we, to renew ourselves in him and to stay close to him throughout the circumstances and the battles of life. And then finally, the sword of the spirit, the word of God here. Here, the word specifically has multiple meanings, according to the Greek. But one good meaning is the idea of the dagger. And people have talked about this before, different sermons I've heard or whatever. The idea of the small dagger, which Roman soldiers used in close quarters battles. Okay, Not the big, unwieldy sword that so often we think about in the Middle Ages, but something smaller, more nimble. And here, the word of God, just as Yeshua the Messiah pulled passages from the Hebrew Scriptures to, to throw back at Satan, so it's so important for us to remember that the word of God, the Scripture, can be used to encourage us as well as to defend ourselves and to attack in those times when, when, uh, when we are attacked, whether by, by uh, sometimes by those, those who we're surprised by. The last part of this text, though, I think is what's really critical. Verse 18, it says, Pray in the Ruach on every occasion with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, keep alert with perseverance and supplication for all the Kedashim. Here, here in this text, this final verse, we are encouraged to remember to pray for one another, to be sustained in what is the spiritual battle. You know, as a community, we come together once a month and we pray, specifically for the congregation, for the needs in the community, but for the strengthening of the community. It's a unique time of prayer. I encourage all of you to come, all right? It is still not as well attended as I really would like it to be. 
We need to pray for one another in the Spirit. What does it mean in the Spirit? It's not charismatic. It's not a charismatic phrase. I mean, it's not what it is. But it is in the charisma. Pray in the Spirit is to pray, you know, intentionally crying out to God, really tapping into the reality of who God is within us. And that is the Spirit of God living within us. Recognize His role. In a different place, it says the Spirit prays for us sometimes with words we don't even get. I, I think that there are times in my life when I'm at an end to myself and I just cry out to God and I'm not quite sure what I'm saying. But I know that I'm relying on the Spirit to intercede on my behalf because I'm at a loss. Ever been there? <laughs> I hope you have been. That's a good thing. The Spirit is within us to strengthen us, to encourage us, to help us, and to at times, pray for us on our behalf. We just are at a loss as to what to say. But he goes on and he basically says these three things. First, first boils down to this. Constantly pray. Pray all the time. Pray all the time. Pray at home. Pray on the job. Pray in the car. Look for opportunities to pray, but, but have a mindset of prayer. Pray without ceasing means have a mindset of prayer. Intentionally and intensively. So with intent, what specific things are you praying about? When you say, oh God, just bless the world, what does that mean? That's when I was in, when I was seeing somebody in California, they said, so how are you? That wasn't, how are you doing? Is everything okay? It was, how are you? Perfunctory. Now let me talk about myself. God wants us to pray with intent, with specificity, with an intensity you get worn out when you pray? pray. Real prayer should wear us out because that's a really good dialogue. Some of it should be almost easygoing and just encouraging. Some of it should just be like we're really wrestling in prayer. Tenaciously means don't give up. Some of you, I think, at times, some of us, I'll put it better, it's us. Don't we just roll over and we say, oh, I know, God, you can do anything, but... I'm tired of praying about this because I just don't think you can. You're never going to come through the way I would like you to. Don't give up. Pray tenaciously. Don't give up. If you are praying and God has, 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 has not answered one way or another, keep praying. Pray through. But all of this needs to be understood in terms of fellow believers. How often do you truly pray for the other people within this community? We need to be praying for one another. How often do you pray for the shlichim, for Tamar, for Shmuley? How often are you praying for them, for what they're doing? This is really, in this passage, this is a call for us to pray for one another. We're in a battle. We're always being susceptible. We're all susceptible to attack. Some of us are under attack today. Do we pray tenaciously? for individuals to stand firm. So we pray for them specifically. Oh God, be with this individual. I know they're going through a difficult time. They have a particular need. God, strengthen them and help them and encourage them. We need to get together sometimes and pray for one another. Are you committed to getting together with other people to pray? That can be done with you and a buddy anytime, anywhere. <laughs> that can be at the synagogue, before services, after services, the, the monthly meeting for prayer, Wednesday nights, Brotherhood meetings, sisterhood meetings. It's all good. But intentionality is important. 
Praying on behalf of one another is important. That we would be strong and strengthened in the Lord. That's the point. The key to a fighting, you know, really the key to fighting is submit to God. If you're out there and you know you're holding on to things, whether it's maybe holding on to uh, some sinful activity in your life or a thought life or bitterness or you want you to go your own way, God wants you to go this way and you don't want to go that way, submit to God. Submit to God. Bow before him. Maybe you're here and not a believer in Yeshua yet. Submit to God, believe in Yeshua, and become a believer already. Submit to God. If we do that, we resist the devil. He'll leave us. He'll run away. It's so amazing. It's so simple. But it's so hard. It's so hard. Keep these things in mind. Last time I'll mention it for a while, I'm sure. But do you understand that allowing sin in your life gives spiritual beings opposed to God influence in your life for evil? That's the hardest one for us as Americans to really understand. If you are allowing Sin in your life. It could be almost innoc- uh, 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 innocuous. I mean, it, it, couldn't, it doesn't have to necessarily be a horrible thing, but for you, it's sin. The other day, my wife wanted me to go to a... No, I can't say that. We were both tempted to go to a buffet. It's sin for me. Why? Because, folks, I love buffets. I love overeating. But it's sin for me because why? It's gluttony. Maybe for you, that's not your issue. Maybe for you, is binge-watching TV. <laughs> Maybe you fall into sin because of your access to certain things on the Internet. Or maybe for you, you fall into communication issues and you just, you, you accept it. Just, I love talking about people. <laughs> we need to understand that sin allows influence from the evil one in our lives. Let us fight against our inclination to sin. Let us fight against this. Let us live lives of holiness so that we might not allow any influence in our life from the evil one. Really what's key is the deep and passionate love for God. You know, I want my life to count for God. That's all it is. You know, I have a unique calling for my life, okay? But you do too. I deeply want to know God and live my life for him. I think if we desire to know God, if we deeply desire to be in relationship with God through our faith in the Messiah, Yeshua, so much will just come off. Because that's really what the core. God loves us. Let's respond in love to him. And if we're loving God, we're certainly doing the things that that God wants us to do. That's such a critical thing, to deeply and passionately love the Lord our God. Also involves loving others. Let's pray for one another. That's the most important thing we can do. Pray for one another and encourage one another. You know, I have a good friend of mine who's dying. He's not going to be around much longer. You know, it, was another, it reminds me of another guy who died uh, several years ago. And uh, what was amazing about these two individuals was their tremendous encouragement for me and for my work. In times when I didn't think I could do what God wanted me to do, they both said, you can do it. You can do it. Just simple encouragement. We all need that for one another. How are we praying for one another, encouraging for one another? We need to do it. And then let us never forget, there can be no neutrality. No neutrality. 